0: TLDR edition. If you're short in time and still want to hear some of the strategies, insights, and actions being implemented by Carl Popham's transportation electrification team, then here are seven minutes of sound bites. If you do have the time, you're on a run, a cycle, a drive, check out the full episode. Now, over to Carl. I learned very quickly. I liked teamwork and working with others. My role in the military was an intelligence analyst. And really what you learn as an intelligence analyst is the difference between data and information. And that has stuck in my heart. When I talk to, you know, even very smart people, a lot of times they get those words confused and I'm kind of a stickler for it. And as an analyst, you generally have three sources of data, human intelligence, imagery, or communication interception. And you put all that into a story. You tell a story that's timely so commanders in real time can understand what's going on in the battlefield and react accordingly or plan accordingly when you're going and doing a big outsourcing you're really disrupting organizations and so when you're looking at programmatically or fundamentally changing you have two approaches you can change the person or you can change the person and ideally you want to first change the person before you have to change the person But those are the two strategic approaches or even tactical approaches you have in organizational change. So when I had the opportunity to kind of leave the IT part of the business and join a small team that was being founded called Electric Vehicles Emerging Technologies, my colleagues thought I was nuts. They said that team is the flavor of the month. But at some point, what drives me in my pivotal moments is a real personal interest in something And I was driving a real personal interest in that EV space. Now you see General Motors, they've changed their logo. The M now looks like an electric plug. And all, and uh, Um, Mary Barros. And Ford with the F-150 Lightning capitalizing on the Lightning and and et cetera. So it's completely changed. But that was kind of the ecosystem that I launched in. My team acted like a startup embedded in a large utility. And we became a barrier busting organization. It was, let's look at all the barriers for rapid adoption and how we can help those. And that over time evolved into our five pillar strategy. There's nothing that we don't hear about a barrier that we won't try to tackle. We do infrastructure. We started with 130 charging stations. We're now at 1600. But then there's stuff like customer experience at dealerships. Well, we created a whole program called the EVs Buyer's Guide and Engagement Platform with the local dealerships. If we discover anything that's a barrier or permitting, we will work to resolve it. Typical internal combustion engine sales cycle is about 40 minutes. For an EV, it can be two hours and 20 minutes because you're really trying to over-educate. And then for various reasons, usually deals with MSRP and other incentives from coming down from OEMs and dealerships, then that salesperson gets paid about Half. half of the commission. So you're asking them to spend more time. You have no greater chance of probability. If anything, I'd say it's less than the EV because the technology is new and less time. So what we wanted the buyer's guide to do is, is address that. One of our keynote speakers was an EV salesperson up in North Texas, who now goes by Buzz the Evangelist. He uh, self-described, and I 100% believe him, has sold more EVs as an individual than anyone else in Texas. He sold a lot of bolts and bolts, General Motors. So he talked their language. It's about units here and here's how they, and here's how you flip the customer and whatnot. We also interviewed him a lot, as well as we talked to sales managers, internet managers. We got a lot of information of what really is the barrier here. So what we realized what the platform does, it kind of gives customers an expedited buying process online. When you're looking at the future of anything, you first have to do a baseline. And so what is driving the growth? The three things driving the growth in Texas and Austin is population. The second one is, is EVs. That 1,000 registered EVs a month overall is out of a population of 10,000 vehicles registered a month. So we, we've we hit the 10% mark here in Austin. Austin also represents about 20% of the Texas market, even though we're about 3.5% of the population. Uh, and then the number one driver isn't that amazing population growth or even all these new EVs. It's cryptocurrency mining. In 2022, 1.5 gigawatts. By 2023, that'll go 7.5. So what is 7.5 gigawatts? That's basically you're adding the city of Houston within 12 months to having these high-intensity data centers that all they do is randomly guess numbers to try to make a lucky guess. You get the number, and then you receive a Bitcoin. So it's bigger than EVs and population combined. Every two years, it takes twice a month of power to generate that one Bitcoin. So we're talking about 10.5 New York cities today for the cryptocurrency miners to make money is it's doubling every two years. So at one point, you're going to just have a collapse. Our desired outcomes of all this new load growth is reliability and resiliency. Climate action and clean air is outcome number two. And then the third desired outcome is energy security and affordability. The three major things I'm seeing being addressed through innovation that understand the growth and helps push the desired outcomes is one is there's a lot of technologies in decarbonization. More energy with less carbon, whether it's PV solar, wind, or other interesting generation. I'm also seeing a complete shift to decentralization being economically viable. So historically, the electric grid since invention over a hundred years ago is a a central generation unit, coal, natural gas, or modern times, large capacity, let's say wind, and then it goes through a transmission line, then goes through a distribution line, and that electron is delivered to the home. Decentralization is you skip all those transmission distribution. You just might have a solar on your rooftop. You might have a battery in your garage. So you're decentralized from the central generation stack of the utility. So you're not going to have to go through all those wires above our heads. You're just generating on site. Yeah. And the third is more automation, real-time controls, other uses of AI and other technologies to be smarter. And when I say smart, I would just condense that down to one simple thing. Let's just talk about quote unquote smart grid. It's where you're, you're adding a chip and the ability to communicate and control device that historically you could not. So you're moving from analog to digital, from quote-unquote dumb to, to smart. And so with those smart controls, we're seeing a lot of innovation in autonomous and AI machine learning to help make sure those myriad of resources are running as efficiently as possible. I think within a matter of three to five years, we will see a leapfrog in technology In the lithium ion today, whether it's next generation or solid state batteries, our goal in the Austin Climate Equity Plan by 2030, what, seven years? To be 40% of all vehicle miles traveled is going to be an electric platform. So that is taking a huge shift in not only personal ownership, public transit, logistics to get to 40% EVMT by 2030. That is a huge number to get in that amount of time. Okay, that's all for now, folks. Now here's my ask of you. Please follow this podcast on Apple or Spotify or whatever player you use. Also, please subscribe to our new Random Collisions newsletter. We really are working to build a global community of action takers, action engines of people that really care about the problems that need solving. Thank you very much and see you next time.